Good morning and welcome to Thursday morning, August the 24th in 2023 on When I Rise. Today we continue year A, proper week 16, which is the 13th Sunday after Pentecost. And on the Thursday of the week, I'd like to take a look at the New Testament letter passage, which comes to us from this week from the Revised Common Lectionary in this week of the church's calendar year. So we find ourselves back in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. So I'm going to read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Romans 12, verses 1 through 8. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace of God given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function. So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is the word of God for us. So this is where the book of Romans reaches a new a new quarter, the last quarter of its book. We, we talk about it routinely here on When I Rise, that Romans is four quarters in its whole of its book. And uh, here uh, from chapter 12 through the end in chapter 16, it comes to a different place. So it seems like Paul has made his long theological argument, and it's now moving towards its practical application, its pastoral theology. What's going on in the background is that this is a church in conflict. Uh, there are uh, one, there's some people on one side of perspective and all the rest are on the other, and they tend to fall with nationality lines. So like the, the Gentile audience versus the Jewish audience. Um, in general, Paul will use the terms the weak and the strong from here on out. And it may be too simple to say that the strong are the Gentiles and the weak are the Jews, but you can more or less uh, conclude that even though there's definitely some variance in between. But he wants them to get along with one another. Whenever there's rivalry and envy, it tends to be on the terms of wanting the same thing, right? There's no conflict if you and I don't want the same thing. We just allow each other to pass by in the night and we go on our separate ways. But if we want the same thing, that's when conflict emerges. And it seems like there, seem, there is a quest for power in this church. The Jews used to have it because uh, the Christian story is natively their story. We know from the book of Acts that Emperor Claudius kicked out all the Jews from the capital city. Now they've made their way back and things have changed. The church has changed. It's got a more Gentile flavor to it. And it seems like the Gentiles want to keep it that way so that there's not any offense with all of the rest of the Gentiles in the city. So if they make it more Jewish again, 
there's a sense where the, the Roman outsiders look upon them with serious suspicion because there might still be like this lingering resentment towards Jewish people in the capital city. And so there's there's this conflict. Should the power belong to the Jewish people because they are really familiar with the Old Testament story and um, the text of scripture and the promises to Abraham? Or should it be given to the Gentiles who have been leading the church for some time and who might have some cultural savvy with the watching world around them? And so Paul gives this great admonition here, and I'd like to focus on verses 3 and following. Because he gives a great vision of the view of the church. He talks about the church being the body of Christ. All members are different, but they're all, you know, have their functions and their parts in, in the operation of the body. And he talks about a measure of faith. And I think what Paul says here is that not all of us have the same measure of faith. So if you look at a yardstick, it's got 36 inches. And um, I think what Paul would say, maybe to use an illustration with that yardstick, is that some of us are given half of an inch of that full measurement, and some of us maybe an eighth of an inch, and some of us three inches. But all of it adds up to the full measure of what it means the body of Christ. So he says, don't think yourself more highly than you ought, but think yourself with sober judgment, right? So that you can learn to get along with one another. Paul's not going to begin to sort out people with a higher spirituality and a lower spirituality. He's saying, like in a mystery, um, it is best for us to have our native position be, I belong in the family of God. And as a part of the family of God, I have a unique identity, but it's not in conflict nor in absence to the rest of the body of Christ. So there's this delicate needle to thread here. On the one hand, Paul doesn't want any single person to be drained of their identity. Um, and he doesn't want that to be for the sake of the community. I think this is something that Lynn Sweet said in one of his books, is that community can have like a shadow to it because when you talk about just the community altogether, individuals do get drained of their personal autonomy and agency and community becomes primary. What uh, Lynn Sweet actually lobbies for is the idea of connection or being connected. Therefore, not no no one part loses its identity. But you do find strength in numbers as all of these individuals get connected together. I think that's why Paul gives this admonition to think ourselves with sober judgment. But then he talks about an array of spiritual gifts. And he turns people loose according to their spiritual gifts. And not everybody's got the same gift. Uh, There's a variety of gifts. That's one of the beauties of the body of Christ. And Paul wants those parts to mix together so that we can have this great tapestry of mosaic of the people of God. I like the way that Scott McKnight, who's a New Testament theologian, he wrote a book um, on ecclesiology, what it means to be the church. And he called the church a fellowship of difference. I just love that. And he has this image of like a tossed salad. He says, you'll notice that whenever you make a salad, you don't keep all of the cucumbers touching one another and really nothing else. You don't group all the tomato sliced, you know, sliced tomatoes together and then like in another compartment of your bowl, then have your lettuce and stuff. He's like, no, like you, you put it all in there, but then you mix it around. He's like, that's what the body of Christ is supposed to be. Because what would a body of Christ be if, it, if people could prophesy and lead, but they couldn't encourage, right? Like we would, we would sense that something was radically missing because of that. So Paul says, hey, think yourself a sober judgment. Arrogance doesn't belong in the kingdom of God. We're serving King Jesus, and we want to be those who are animated by the, the ethic of love, right? So that's, so think yourself more sober judgment, but don't drain your whole identity. Don't drain your agency. 
whatever your gift might be, as, as you acknowledge what your gift is, make sure you use that in proportion to the measure of faith given to you. So yes, we all belong together in this one yardstick in the body of Christ, but we're all distinct. We're a fellowship of difference. Therefore, we have to find our place and learn to thrive there. So with those things in mind, let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we rejoice in who you are today, and we thank you that much grace has been given to us, the pardoning of our sins, the vision of a new future, but also the gift of the body of Christ. God, we're, we're so thankful for preachers and teachers and moms and grandmoms and, and dads and granddads of the faith who've put their arms around our shoulders and they've shown us the way. They've been patient with us. They've been able to speak a word in season that will sustain us in our weariness. They've been able to give a word of direction. We've lost our way. We just thank you for the beautiful gift of the body of Christ. So as we relish in this gift of the body of Christ today, we also thank you that uh, we can find our own place among it. And so for those of us who've been struggling in this season to find our place, to know where our gifts lie, I pray that you would fan into flame those gifts once more, and that we'd be able to find that place where we can thrive in the body of Christ. God, for those of us who've been struggling with humility, we've been trying to find our own way and we have been considering others around us. Uh, we just pray that you give us a vision of a sober view of who we are, about where we can excel, but also where we are weak and we need to rely on other people so that we can learn to be the one people of God. So this day we ask God that you just light our path in front of us. Um, allow us to follow the way of Jesus around the ethic of love. And I pray that lives would be transformed all around us because of the work that you're doing in us and through us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.